Thank you. 
Last week we dealt with the rapture. This week we're going to do what's left behind. Uh Uh-oh. But first, we want to bless our little ones as they go back to school and pray the hedge of God's protection and blessing in this new year. And we want to introduce you to our wonderful group of Sunday school teachers and all the exciting classes that are going on. So Pastor Todd, that's one of the many areas he oversees, the Sunday school. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Pastor. And this is uh, uh, just a special time of year and a blessing and a privilege for us to be able to pray over our children and those working in our school system. But we wanted to take this time also and recognize those that are teaching, that are laboring here in the ministry in our Sunday school uh, classes. We are so grateful for those that serve and have a heart to teach the Word of God. Amen. Week in and week out and uh, uh, giving of themselves, preparing lessons, and uh, we're so grateful for them. So I just want to let you know, first of all, if you're not attending Sunday school, we want to encourage you to do so. Our Sunday school classes meet at 9.30 every Sunday morning. The adult class is right behind us in the choir room, and then we have two children's classes that are meeting. Uh, We have our primary class, which is... Uh, up above uh, to my right in the upstairs for grades one and two and then we have also for the middler class grades three and four in the other side to my left upstairs so uh, bring your kids your grandkids and uh, come out attend I know that you'll be blessed and uh, uh, we just again want to uh, take a moment and and, uh, recognize our teachers so as I call your name if you'll just stand I want everybody to see who you are, and uh, we want to honor you today. And so for our adult class, I want to invite Brother Gary Nichols, if he would stand, amen, amen. And also, amen, in our adult class, Brother Jim Fortenberry is our alternate teacher that's been serving, and uh, we appreciate him as well, amen. I'd like you to see them and know who they are because I want you to pray for them. Amen. They need our prayers. We want to lift them up. And then for our primary class, uh, grades 1 and 2, I want to ask Beverly Andrews if she would stand. Amen. Sister Beverly. Uh, Amen. So we've just been getting our classes cranked back up this year, and uh, it is so exciting uh, to see the excitement in our teachers and working with the children. And then in our middler class, grades 3 and 4, Sister Mary Stanlin, if you would stand as well. Amen. God bless you. Amen. So if you're interested at all in teaching and Uh, There's always room for alternates, uh, and we're going to believe God to continue to grow our church with more children and our Sunday school classes, amen. So uh, we'll keep praying and believing together. Praise God. We appreciate each one of their hard work and service. So summertime, as you can tell, is a little bit slower, and so all of our kids aren't here, I don't think, but we do have a few that are here, and that makes it hard on our Sunday school teachers, too. They prepare, and then they come, and then there's no kids. But that's okay. God sees your efforts, and he's going to reward you. Amen. Amen. Your faithfulness, your faithfulness. So at this time, we want to invite, so school starts back in Hillsborough County uh, on Wednesday. All the parents are roaring. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but we want to pray. What a blessing it is to have Christian teachers in our school system we need to pray 
for those teachers. We need to pray for our schools, those that are elected officials. That, listen, the devil's playground is in our, in our school system. So parents, grandparents, is a lot different even now than when it was 15 years ago when I brought, we brought our son up in school. It's changed. They're putting curriculum in the school systems now. Parents, I encourage you, get involved. There's things out there you can review that curriculum. We've got to protect our children. But this is one way we can do it. We can pray. So if you're, a, if you're a teacher in the school system, would you stand right where you are for just a moment? Amen. Amen. And then if you're a volunteer in the school system, if you're a bus driver, if you serve in the administration, a stand if you would. Anybody else involved? in the school system at all amen well you can be you can get involved you can be a volunteer there's a lot of needs there but uh, I want to invite our teachers to come at this time we're gonna pray for you and all of our children our school-aged children even our younger children bring them up here let's bring all of our children up front we want you to just line up right here and pastor and I are gonna pray I want to invite Reverend Olin Hill if he's gonna uh, if he would come he's gonna pray a blessing over our children and over uh, our teachers and over our schools amen we need God's protection but uh, Reverend Olin Hill, he served in the school system for many years as a principal, and uh, we're grateful to have him here that we can call on him to pray over our children. So I'm going to turn it over to him to pray for us. Thank you, brother. God bless you. Thank you, Pastor. When some of the disciples were wondering why the children were going toward Jesus, they were trying to shoo them out of the way. It's important for the adults to be there, not kids. But that's not what Jesus thought. He said, let the children come to me. This is the kingdom of God. This is where our hope and our, our prayers lie with these little ones who grow up to lead us, lead our nation, and lead our churches. And so let's pray together that this will be a great year for them in the school system. Father, we thank you today for the opportunity we have in America to send our children to school. And we thank you, Lord, that there are teachers who know you and love you and help our kids to know you. And so we ask, Lord, that you start with these little ones, bless them, keep them, May this year be their best year. May these teachers have their best year to, as they begin to teach these little ones. Bless them and be with them, I pray, that all of these children throughout this year, when the devil comes, they will be able to find that Jesus encamps about them and he's just within their reach. We pray for them now and we pray for them tomorrow and we pray for them every day. Help us, Lord to bless our children and help them to be a blessing to those in school and learn to know that Jesus is their help every day. Bless them, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. Our children are dismissed to Children's Church. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, good morning again. If you have your Bibles, if you would go to 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5. 
We want to continue in our sermon series from the book of 1 Thessalonians. And we're beginning that fifth chapter. 1 Thessalonians, the fifth chapter. And we're going to begin with verse number one. And the Bible says to us, Now, brothers, about times and seasons, or times and dates, we do not need to write to you because you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace, safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as a labor pains on a pregnant woman and they will not escape. But you brothers, you're not in the darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You're all children of the light. You're children of the day. We don't belong to the night or to the darkness. So then let us not be like others who are spiritually asleep and slumbering. But let us be awake and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those that get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be spiritually sober. Putting on faith and love and hope. The hope of salvation is a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us that whether we're awake or we die in the Lord, whether we awake or die in the Lord, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. Father, we thank you for your word. Give us ears to hear and hearts to receive. Teach us your ways and equip us to walk and to overcome by faith. In Jesus' name and all God's people said. Our title this morning is Note the Difference. Note the Difference. Now, now last week was chapter 4 and we entitled it that great getting up morning. And we talked about our Lord's coming for his people. We talked about his return and our rapture. We talked about our reunion with one another and with the Lord forever. What a day that will be. The question they had last week is, what about those in the Lord, our brothers and sisters that have died? Well, will they take part in all these wonderful things that are coming up? And the answer was, yes, they will. He'll come back. They'll come back with him. When he returns, they'll be with him. And they'll be part of everything that's going on. And now in verse 5, Paul's kind of continuing, expanding his thought a little bit here. And he explains and highlights the fact that there is a difference between believers who are looking for the Lord's return and the people of this world that are just going about their business as if the Lord is never going to return. Paul's purpose here, as we read in that last verse, was to encourage the believers to continue to live holy lives in the midst of their pagan surroundings. And you know... If you seem out of place, if you seem different in this world, it's because you are if you're serving the Lord. You shouldn't just seem that way. If you're not seeming that way, something's wrong. But if you're just faithfully serving Jesus, living your life as you're governed by his word, you will live different, you will walk different, you will talk different, and there will be a difference. The Bible describes us as light and them as darkness. There should be a difference. Now, we're going to contrast this whole message, this contrast that Paul is bringing out between faithful, sincere Christians and the rest. And here's our outline. 
We're going to cover number one, knowledge versus ignorance. That's verses one and two. Paul's going to bring out, we're in the know, but they're in ignorance. Verses one through two. Secondly, expectancy versus surprise. That's verses three through five. They're going to be surprised, but we shouldn't be. We're expecting the Lord to return. We're living lives that are looking and living for Jesus daily, so we won't be surprised. Number three, the soberness versus drunkenness. Soberness, morally, spiritually sober, as opposed to drunk, under an influence that's marring your ability to perceive and decide and to live. And then lastly, salvation versus judgment. But we begin verses 1 and 2, the contrast of knowledge versus ignorance. Now, brothers, about times and seasons or times and dates, we don't need to write to you, Paul says, for you know, you're in the know, you know very well that the day of the Lord will be like a thief in the night. Now, last week, Paul wrote and he communicated to the church, if you remember, that he did not want them ignorant or lacking understanding concerning spiritual things. Now, we know that the world is ignorant concerning spiritual realities. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers because they've rejected the light of the gospel. They walk in a darkness because they've rejected the light of Christ. We recognize that. Concerning their need of Christ, there's a darkness, there's an ignorance. Concerning their spiritual condition, they think things are just happy-go-lucky, and it's not at all. What really happened on Calvary, they don't see the beauty of it. They're not moved by the wonder of it. Who Jesus Christ really is. They think he's just a religious figure. They think maybe he's a fairy tale. They don't realize that was God that died on Calvary's cruel cross. That was God that came and became a man that he could identify with humanity and take our place and endure our shame and our suffering so we could be reconciled to God and forgiven of our sins. And they don't realize that. They don't understand man's condition and God's great salvation. And that's why we go and that's why we preach and that's why we pray. And that's why we give to support missions to get this gospel out. That's why we each do our part in our own world to be a light and share this good news with others. But as children of God, we have the revelation of God's word. We have knowledge. We're in the know. Paul says, you know, you know these things. We walk in the light. We have the teaching of God's word. We have the illumination and understanding that his spirit brings us. And as children of God, we are knowledgeable, not ignorant, concerning spiritual things. We're breaking down this two verses. Three subpoints will define and expand. We see times and seasons, or times and dates, verse 1. Then we see the day of the Lord, the day of the Lord, verse 2. And then we see a thief in the night, a thief in the night. That's also in verse 2. We'll just touch on them, then we'll expound on one. Verse 1 talks about times and dates, or times and seasons. Friend, God has ordained times and seasons. This world runs according, not to United Nations, not according to whoever's in the White House, but this world runs according to a divine timetable. In the Gospels, how Jesus said, My time has not yet come. And then in another place it says, the time has come. Repent and believe the gospel. Galatians tells us in the fullness of time, God sent his son. Romans tells us at just the right time when we were helpless, God died. Christ died for the ungodly. 
See, God has ordained times and seasons when Jesus came, when Jesus died, and when Jesus will return. There's a divine timetable that runs things. You know, in your life, God has times and seasons. In your life, there are times and seasons. Recognize those seasons and times and respond to them faithfully, and it'll bring blessing into your life. It makes life so much easier to be able to discern and make the most out of the seasons God brings, the timings of God. And we um, encourage you, don't, don't run ahead and don't lag behind. I remember reading a nugget one time, you run ahead of God and there's frustration. If you lag behind God, there's friction. But if you stay in step with God, there's favor. When we lag behind, there, there, there's friction. Because God's trying to mess up our nest, trying to get us going, trying to wake us up when we get too comfortable. And there's friction because we're rubbing against God who's trying to nudge us on and lead us forward. But when we run ahead, there's frustration. Because the grace is back there in the presence of God. The blessing's back there in the smile of God. And we're trying to do things on our own, thinking I can scheme it and I can work it. And oh, it don't take much for us all to feel like fools when we've left God behind. Come on, say amen. But when we stay in step, there's the favor of God. When you follow that cloud, it doesn't matter what time it is. You've got the fire, you've got the cloud. You're in good hands when you follow God and stay in step with God. Mm. The times and seasons. And then the day of the Lord. Verse 2 talks of the day of the Lord. Now, this is not a 24-hour period, but it's an extended period of time when God will judge the world and punish the nations. It's the climax of all things. It's a period of inescapable judgment following the rapture. That's called the tribulation, then the great tribulation. It's a time of intense suffering and sorrow, of trial, of trouble, tribulation on the earth. And then finally, the thief in the night. Verse 3, a thief in the night, verse 2, describes a suddenness and it describes the surprise involved at the coming of the Lord. It's an image that even Jesus used in different teachings of his. To one of the churches in Revelation, the church at Sardis, he was warning his people, don't be caught napping. He was warning and says, you better wake up and do what I'm telling you to do. I'm giving you time. Don't think my patience is my acceptance. It's not. It's my grace giving you time to make things right. But don't play me as a fool, saith the Lord. Because when I have enough of you ignoring me after I've given you ample opportunity, I will come like a thief in the night and I'll deal with you. And you better off obeying me when I prod you lovingly than have me to come and deal with you and really wake you up. But in this context, Paul is using it to speak of the world and those that don't know God, those that will still be around after the rapture, those that had no expectation of this and did not believe this and they were caught like a thief catches you unaware in the night. Let's expound now. We understand, and if you have any Bible knowledge at all, we understand that God has times and seasons. There is a divine timetable for our lives and for this world. But concerning when the day of the Lord will be, concerning when all this will happen, well, listen, the church really doesn't have to be worried about that. We live or we should be living a lifestyle that is ready, a lifestyle that is looking for Christ and daily serving Christ and walking with Christ. We should be characterized and marked by faithfulness and obedience and a sincerity as we walk with God. So we're in good shape. We're ready there. But Paul, in that last chapter, he explained that, you know, we'll be gone when the worst of the worst comes. 
The church will be raptured or caught up to be with Christ. So we don't have to spend a lot of time being overly curious about this and trying to figure out that, the times and the dates. In fact, often what that does is just distracts a person from our present time responsibility. For our responsibility of what should now the child of God be spending their time and their treasures and their talents doing. There are many things in this present time that the church must realize and respond to. Instead of just wasting what will happen then, how about let's getting it right now? Can you say amen to that? And so we say, so what time is it? Well, according to heaven's timetable, what time is it? Number one, it's time to receive God's power and it's time to go forth with God's message. It's time to carry out the gospel and the commission of Jesus Christ to every nation, to every person, to every land, to every tribe. It's time. Where does that come from? Jesus, his own words, Acts, the first chapter, Jesus had already resurrected from the dead, but he had not yet ascended into heaven. He spent about 40 days with his disciples. He was giving them convincing proofs that he was alive. He was teaching them about the kingdom that was to come. And one time Jesus said, now listen, I'm going soon, but you need to, this. You need this if you're going to live this life. You need this if you're going to carry out your call. Jesus said, wait in Jerusalem till you receive the promise of the Father. It wasn't enough that they were with him for three years. It wasn't enough that they witnessed the great miracles and signs. It wasn't enough that at times he allowed them to minister powerfully. He said, you need the baptism in the Holy Spirit. They said, wait for the promise. The disciples response, Lord, is it at this time that you will restore the kingdom? They're thinking, what time is it? Well, well when's the Lord going to return? When's the kingdom going to come? And Jesus saying, no, 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 you have the wrong idea of time. It's not time for that, but it is time for you to receive power after the Holy Spirit comes upon you and then go and be my witnesses. He says, you're worrying about this, you're curious about that, but really it's time Time for the church to be a church of power that it might carry out the call of God and do the works of God. Somebody say amen. It's time. It's not time to speculate or try to figure out. People get confused in their curiosity. But it is time, saith Jesus, Acts 1 and 8. That we should receive the power of God's Spirit and then go forth with His message and touch our world. Why now? Because now is the time and today is the day of God's grace and God's salvation. There's coming a time it won't be, but right now is the time where God says, whosoever will, you can receive heaven's forgiveness. Whosoever will, you can come and receive the cleansing that only the blood of Jesus can apply. Now is the time where the lost are to be saved now is the time where the sick are to be healed now is the time where the thirsty can be refreshed and revived now is the time for every one of God's people to go beyond salvation and enter into the mighty baptism of power so you can live this life come on say amen to that 
Oh, it's not time for all this speculation. It's not time for wasting more of that time with the news and the foolishness going on. It's time to get serious about God. It's time to get on fire for Jesus. It's time to put your hand to the plow and do what God has called you to do. Are you doing what God has called you to do? Are you obeying the call that God has upon your life? Oh, Lord, have mercy. What time is it? Time to get serious with God. Stop playing games. What time is it? It's heaven or hell. It's time to accept or reject. It's time to receive God's power. That you can walk out God's purpose in your life. They say, Lord, are you going to restore the kingdom? He says, stop worrying about those things. Get your mind on where God is. Get a fresh touch of God's power and walk out your life and serve Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. Yeah, come on, say amen to that. Say, what time is it? What time is it? What time is it? Oh, yes, it's time. Behold, now is the accepted time. Today is the day. Now is the time where God wants men saved. Now is the time for the church to be a church of power. Not just a a form, but a force. And to carry out the gospel and to do the works of God in this present hour. It's time on God's timetable. What is the heart of God in this moment? It's his heart that none perish, but all be saved. It's time to be saved. If you're not saved, it's your time now to receive Christ. It's time to be healed because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And what he did yesterday, he desires to do today for you. It's time to be filled with God's spirit that you can fulfill God's calling upon your life. You can't do it with head knowledge. You can't do it with degrees. You can't do it with just experience. You need the power of God's Spirit upon you that you might walk in the fullness that God has for you. Somebody say amen to that. It's time to take back what the enemy has stolen. It's time to put your foot down and say, no more, no more. It's time for restoration. It's time to be revived. It's time to advance into the deeper waters in your walk with the master. Somebody get out of the shallows. It's time to get back in the depths. Somebody get out of the shallows. It's time to get back into that depth of walking with God and staying filled with God. Hallelujah. It's time to obey the Spirit's promptings. What's God speaking about? What's God telling you to do? What's God been dealing with you about? It's time not to put it off, but it's time to obey it. But, but but my family might not appreciate it. Obey God. But my friends might not understand it. But obey God. But 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 you know even my wife he might obey God. Tell your neighbor obey God. Obey God. Obey God. Obey God. Time's too short not to obey God. We might not be here next week. We got to obey God. It's time to receive the Father's good promises. It's time to carry out the Savior's works. It's time for the church to be a church of power and to carry out the commission of our Savior and our King. What time is it? Someone might ask. It's time, according to the prophet Hosea, to seek the Lord until he comes. Note takers, that's Hosea 10 and 12. It's time to seek the Lord until he comes. And he comes and he showers us with righteousness and refreshing and reviving and restoration. It's time to pray, the prophet said. 
It's time to break up the fallow ground. What is that? That's the unplowed ground. That's areas in our life that hinder the seed of God's word from bearing fruit. That's the hard places in our life that the water just runs off and doesn't sink in. The prophet says, let's seek the Lord until he may be found. But if we really want to find God, we've got to get rid of the things that are hindering God from talking to us and hindering God from having his way in us. Oh my, it's time. What time? It's time to seek the Lord until he comes. Until God refreshes and revives us and does something fresh in the midst of us. Until his power is poured out upon us with great refreshing and reviving. Friend, God wants to visit his people. I don't care what church you go to, any real church. God wants to visit his people. God wants to come down in a greater measure and a greater demonstration than he ever has before. I want someone to know it's the will of God, not that we live in what happened yesteryear, but we enjoy a fresh outpouring and a fresh visitation and a fresh manifestation and a demonstration of God's power today. Today he wants to see this generation set on fire. Today he wants to breathe life that will turn our hearts back to wholehearted Christianity. Today is the day. He says, if you'll seek me, you'll find me. If you'll call on me, I'll answer you. Seek the Lord while he may be found and call upon him while he is near. The prophet said, let's seek the Lord until he comes. Let's remove from our hearts and our lives and our families anything that's hindering God from having his way, from working his good work within our hearts. God wants to come down. He wants to touch you. He wants to lift you. He wants to help you. He wants to speak to you. He wants to do something fresh in you. This is not the end. This is the beginning of a new chapter and a new day. And God says, call on me so I can come and work a new work in you. Can you say amen? People brag about being a Bible people, then we ought to follow the Bible. That early church was a praying church. They didn't have PowerPoints, but man, they had power. Woo! Early church was a praying church, for they understood the battle was a spiritual battle. And prayer was the key to that victory. It's time to seek the Lord until He comes. And visits us and blesses us and does something fresh and divine in the midst of us. Can you say amen? What time is it? Don't worry about Fox News. Get that, that Bible and find out what time it is. Forget that, that, that crazy, while you're on the internet too much, it's messing up your marriage, it's messing up your brain. Get back to that word of God. Come on, say amen. Woo. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I'm feeling good. I don't know about anybody else. But you just enjoy yourself as I am. My Lord, have mercy. What time is it? According to the Bible, it's time to realize. Christian, it's time to realize who you are in Christ. To understand and embrace fully the great salvation that Jesus purchased for you. It's time to realize your place and your position and your privilege and your role in God's kingdom. In this present hour. It's time to realize that the sovereign hand of the living God has made you. And he has equipped you. And he desires to use you. Friend, listen, he has works for you to do. He has lies for you to influence. He has people for you to touch. Oh, friend, friend. 
You're not an accident. You're not just a, 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 an extra thing. You are very special in the economy of God. God knew you before you were in your mother's womb. And once you came to Him, He put His Holy Spirit within you. And that Spirit came with an equipping and with a purpose and with a destiny. God has works for you to do. God has people for you to touch. God's got songs for you to sing. God's got prophecies for you to release. God's got gifts that He wants to use you as His vessel. God's got souls. He wants to use you to tell them the good news. Friend, God loves you and God has a will for you. Someone says, I'm barely saved. Well, that's all right. That's how we all got started. We got started as spiritual babes, but then we grow and we grow and we begin to discover God has a will for me. God has a destiny for me. God has a purpose for me. And He's given me His Spirit so I can carry it out. Friend, it's time to realize who you are in Christ and what God's will is for your life and to carry that out with all that is within you. Can you say amen? There's people for you to touch. There's people for you to lay hands on. There's people for you to rescue. They're in the burning. They're ready to give up, but you got a message of hope. You've been there, done that, and you know what Jesus can do in the midst of that. God has people for you to talk to. God has people to use you to rescue. God has people, and you're his vessel to touch them, to give hope to them, to turn them around and bring them out of darkness into his glorious light. Hallelujah. It's time. It's time. Like Queen Esther of old, it's time that we may understand there is a strategic reason for our present being. And we have come into the kingdom, into the world, into the now for such a time as this. We're not here by accident. You could have died at childbirth. You could have died a million times in between then and now. Oh, no, no. You're alive because God hath need of thee. You're alive because God has a purpose for thee for such a time as this. Remember that? The queen, she didn't realize why everything had happened, why it happened. Then finally it dawned on her. This hasn't been an accident. This just hasn't been some roll of the dice. This has been the sovereign hand of the omnipotent God that's been orchestrating my steps and working and weaving all things. I'm not here by accident. I'm here by the hand and the calling of God for such a time as this. And when we realize that, friend, it does something to you. Come on, say amen to that. Hell's been trying to tell me you come from bad households. I feel for you. You you were beat up on and you were verbally abused and and it took an effect on your psyche. Some of you from the time you were just little, there's been a negativity and a condemnation. But God wants you to know the devil is a liar. He's got a purpose for you. He has a will for you. And it's time to recognize God loves me. God has saved me. And God has a divine design for me. Come on, say amen to that. And when you realize that, you get out of bed. Woo, glory, this is the day that the Lord has made. You wake up and you realize, I'm in the will of God. My steps are hoarded by God. I am an ambassador of God. I am filled with the Spirit of God. God has called me and God has anointed me. And God will use me this day and every day. Somebody say amen. Hallelujah. Woo. 
Feel like I put a new battery in there, brother. Man, it's feeling good. Hallelujah. Glory. Hallelujah. Oh, God loves you. God called you. Get excited about that. Give God your best. Give, don't play with that world. That got nothing for you. You, 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 you die at 85 saying, man, I wasted a lot of time when I could have been involved in eternal things. Isn't that right? When that revelation comes, I'm no accident. My life's not an accident. But such a time as this. Wow. Wow. He could have rejected me, but he chose me. He could have ignored me, but he answered me. Woo-wee. He could have judged me, but he had mercy on me. My Lord. Wow. Wow. And you don't got to be a big shot for God to use you. He said, no, no, I take the weak and I get glory out of using vessels that other people wouldn't expect me to use. Isn't that wonderful? It's time to realize who we are. Get excited about your life. Get excited about serving Jesus with your life. Amen. There's people for you to visit. There's hurting people for you to love on. Amen. You, you name it. There, there's children that need someone to take some time with them. There's so many fatherless that need fathers. There's so many lonely people. My brother goes to the nursing home, right? Visits. Just sits with hurting people. Just spends time with those that sometimes their own family forgets them. That's a precious thing. God said, oh, I'm still a father. Whew, I'm a father of that orphan. I'm a husband to that widow. Oh, God said, yeah, yeah, yeah. The ones others ignore and neglect, God says, I got special love. And when you love on them, God says, you're loving me. That's how you're loving on them. Oh, glory. I'm feeling this. My Lord, have mercy. I better get back to my notes. We never get out of here. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. The first contrast. The believer has knowledge. Amen. My word, lamp unto thy feet, light unto thy path. Holy Spirit comes and we understand. Light comes. We understand from the word through the spirit. But the world has an ignorance because they've rejected God. They've rejected the word of God. They're, they're, they're ignorant concerning spiritual things. And that means they'll be caught by surprise. And you know, friend, ignorance can be costly. How many know that? Ignorance can be costly. I read a story a while ago. A newly appointed preacher, just a young preacher, green, just out of school, amen? Well, he was contacted by a local funeral director to hold a gravesite committal service in this small country cemetery out in the hills. Not, they don't have hills. Out in the, the country of Iowa. And there was no funeral. Just a committal because, sadly, the deceased, all his friends and family, no one was left in Iowa. They probably all moved to Florida. But um, the young preacher started early into the cemetery, but he lost his way in those back roads, and they all looked like one another. There are no street signs. Have you ever been out in the country in places like that? And Well, after backtracking a few miles to get back on the route, and he finally arrives a half an hour late. Well, the hearse by that time, nowhere in sight, has gone. Workmen were there kind of relaxing under a tree, having their lunch, eating their sandwich. Well, that young preacher, he went to the open grave, and he found the vault lid was already in place, so he took out his book, and he read the service. Man, it was heartfelt. I mean, he had a little tear in his eye. He was sincere. And then when he got done, 
He returned to his car, prayed his prayer, returned to the car, and then at that, one of the workmen paused in between bites and a sandwich, and he looked at the other and says, <laughs> you think we should have told him that was a septic tank? <laughs> oh, Brother Hill gave me that one about eight years ago. I kept it for such a time as this. Amen. I said, such a time as this. I'm going to need that one. I had it filed away. You know, ignorance in the natural can make you look like a fool. Isn't that right? But ignorance in the eternal has far more damaging consequences than God's people said. Thank you, Brother Hill. I could have said it better. It was a good one. It's a good one. What's the next contrast we see in Paul's writing here? Verses 3 through 5. Checking my clock. Ooh, that first point went. Um, expectancy versus surprise. Expectancy. Look at that, if you would. Verse 3, when people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as a labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you, brothers, but you, aren't you glad we're part of the but you? But you are not in darkness, so that day should surprise, it shouldn't surprise the believer. Because verse 5 says, you're children of the light. You believe in that book, amen? You're born again of God's spirit. You're children of the day. We don't belong to the night or to the darkness. Verse 6 says, so then let us not be like others who are spiritually asleep. But let us live awake and sober lives. Amen? Wow. You know, a person can feel secure and not be secure. So many of the world today they feel secure, but they're not secure. And there'll be a, a terrible surprise when they find out the false doctrines of the churches they went to. Or they believed humanism and everything the academic world taught them. Or the news media or whatever. You can feel secure and not be secure. And the world will be caught by surprise. The unsaved will be enjoying, enjoying a time of false peace. False security, just before these events take place. You see three things there in that verse. False security, sudden destruction, failure to escape. Again, you, you can feel secure and not be secure. I always remember reading that article of a, a, it was a very well-known uh, photographer that would take pictures while they were skydiving. And it was a true story back in the 80s. And he took some beautiful pictures. And he was more than halfway down before he realized he didn't have to put a shoot on. But the whole way down, because he thought it was on, he took some of those beautiful pictures. He was calm, collective. The whole time, he was seconds away from death. He was secure, but it was a false security. I remember back in the early 90s, one of the bridges on the New York State Thruway collapsed. It was kind of a foggy day. And the upstate New York Thruway is a great part to drive. Because there's not really a lot of traffic. You just hit it, go 70, and it's easy, it's always kept clean, and you can just go, and families go on vacation, you know, just you can go hours and hours, and there's never any stops, you just go, it's really nice, and one of the bridges collapsed outside Albany, I believe, and it was kind of cloudy, but it, it, it took about three or four cars just going over, before finally someone slowed down, and they started waving off the others, and if you ever drove that with your family, we would drive it all the time, going into the city, visiting relatives on Long Island, and, and you just have a good old time. Kids sitting in the back, you know, before the days of putting things in your ears and 
they'd be talking, the music would be playing, a family would be, you know, you just kind of, you know, nice ride, nice ride, happy ride, looking forward to. And next thing you know, they're going over a bridge that's no longer there. So what we have here, there'll be a surprise for those that don't know the Lord and aren't living, because they've been given a false sense of security from the present spiritual age that says everyone's all right and everyone's getting in and there's a million ways to happen. Mm, mm. You know, friend, your eternal destiny is something you want to be very sure about. I mean, you don't want to take a chance when it comes to your eternal salvation. You might take a chance on a new model truck coming out. You might take a chance on a new fangled uh, fishing wire or whatever. You don't want to take a chance on the condition of your soul for eternity. Make sure you know that you know. Before you leave here, we're going to give you an opportunity so that you can leave having a full assurance according to the word of God that you're going to heaven, your sins are forgiven, and Jesus is your Savior. But I want you to see that. So here, here we have this, these three things here in this one verse, verse 3. There's a false security, there's a sudden destruction, and then there's a failure to escape. But Christians, again, Paul says, we're sons of the light. Our lives are characterized by light and understanding and readiness and living for Christ. We're not in the dark concerning being ready to meet him. For those that don't know the Lord, those that have rejected Christ, they're unprepared. Most of them are priding themselves in their self-righteousness, thinking they're all right. Priding themselves in their independence from God and his rule. Laughing and mocking at those that would preach anything else. Ridiculing the idea of the return of the Lord and his righteous judgment and his eternal kingdom. We live in a world where there's so much false security, having been lied to by the false prophets of religion have been ride to by the philosophy of humanism and the spirit of this age. In the world that is unsaved or backslidden, will be caught by surprise. Not because they hadn't heard, but because they refused to hear and really heed, respond, and believe the message of the gospel and the warnings of God's love. They've heard the call to receive the love of God and they winked at it. They heard someone pour out their heart about the love of Jesus and his death on the cross for them, and they kind of patronized it. They don't think they need that. They were told by others, everyone's all right. False peace. And so many are very alert to things in the natural. I mean, with 24-hour news and things on people's phones and all that, oh, wow, they know the weather and they know the sports and they know the economy. Man, they're up on those things. Just ask them about the temporal things. Ask them about their hobby. They'll give you an hour and a half lecture on, oh, I just love this new pull thing on my truck, whatever the pull thing is. Oh, yeah, but ask them about the condition of their soul. Ask them when's the last time they had a fresh encounter with Jesus. Ask them the last time they heard God speak to their heart. Ask them if their sins are forgiven and they're living holy in the present hour. But we should live with an alertness and an expectancy. So much of the world up to date on everything that's temporal. 
but in denial and blind to the condition of their own soul in the eternal. So here Paul is giving us the contrast between the world and the believer. And he's saying here the believer, they're expecting Christ to come. Therefore, they're living accordingly. But, but the, the world, they'll be in for a surprise because they think they're okay. They think God would never do that. What kind of God? They've been lied to. So they have a false idea of who the true and living God is. You know, when Jesus preached about his return, two examples that he would use would be Noah and Lot. I don't know if you remember that, but Luke 17 Verses 26 through 30. We'll look at it for a second here. When Jesus used to talk about his return, he says, just as it was in the days of Noah, so also will it be in the days of the Son of Man. This is Jesus talking here. He says, people were eating and drinking, marrying, being given in marriage, going to the movies, mowing their lawn, buying a new tractor. Up to the day Noah entered the ark, I missed that last line. Can I get that last line? Here we go. Then the flood came and destroyed them all. Going to the mall. I got a coupon. Woo. So I stopped by Publix. Bogos. Go do for one. Man, going to get my ice cream. I mean, the world just secure, living their own thing. They, they don't realize that they're just a step away from. That's how Paul's describing that, how Jesus. How Je- this is Je- Jesus is describing them. So you think the preacher is getting it a little too um, theatrical. I dare you to say that about Jesus. That's that next one. In the same, in the days of Lot, they're eating, they're drinking, they're buying, they're selling, they're going about business. Well, these prices, not too much buying, but you know what I mean. Buying and selling. They're planting, they're building. Just going about their lives. But the day Lot left Sodom, fire rained down. Wow. Jesus describes the world, those that don't know God, as being deceived and in a place of false security. That's why we pray and that's why we go. That's why we try to preach the truth. That it would awaken them that they would see their need of a Savior, that they would recognize that all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory and need to find a way back. And it only goes through Jesus Christ. You see? But you think about all that, and I'm winding this down, but you think about that. Both of those examples, there was surprise, there was apathy, there was mocking. Just like the days of Noah. They ate, they drank, they enjoyed. They thought everything was fine, as if judgment was a joke, it was an exaggeration, it was a mystery, it was a mythical, it was a fable, it was far, far off. Some thought they had plenty of time. We don't know how much time we have, do we? Some thought it was all make-believe. They found out real quick it wasn't. And there was a surprise when they stood before the one they had laughed at, pushed off, disregarded. Oh my, oh my, oh my. Oh my, oh my, oh my. Whoever you are, don't be surprised. But make sure you know that you know your heart is right with God. Whoever you are, make it right. For today is the day 
Now is the time. Might not have tomorrow. But the believer, Paul describes as one that's alert. Is one that is understanding. Their life is not described by being drunk morally and spiritually, but being sober and alert, being serious about their Christianity. They have a moral alertness and awareness, the hope of salvation that motivates us and inspires us and directs us. But someone that's drunk, that's someone that their senses have been dulled. They're under the influence of something that affects their judgment, their perception, their discernment, their ability to evaluate. There's a moral indifference, a callousness, and a carelessness towards spiritual things. But the sincere believer, we'll close with these, and the sincere believer is described like this. They are alert. 1 Peter, 1 Peter 5, 1 Peter 5. The believer is one that's alert and one that's awake. One that is walking according to the word of God and living filled with the spirit of God. And we find out here, be alert and of a sober mind. Sober. Don't let your mind get put under the deceptive influence of the spirit of this age. Of a backslidden church that says everyone's going when they're not all going. People think there's a million ways to heaven and there's only one. His name is Jesus. Be, be alert, sober-minded, but you know what? Your enemy prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. The, the, the believer lives soberly here, but he realizes it's a battle from here to there. This is not just a cakewalk. If hell can get you to turn back, it'll get you to turn back. If hell can destroy your marriage and divide your unity, he'll do anything he can. So, so the believer understands that even in the now, not somewhere over in the glory land, but even in this present land, we have to be alert and sober. We have to live our lives according to that word of God. Amen? We've got to stay filled with the spirit of God because there's an enemy that's trying to destroy us now. And none of us are exempt. And Paul said, I preach to a lot of people. I can be a castaway if I don't watch it. What's that next line say? So you can resist him. Be alert. Be spiritually awake. Don't be spiritually deceived and negligent. Be spiritually alert and aware so you can resist the enemy. Stand firm in your faith. Recognize everyone's going through this. Make up your mind you won't be overcome by it. And one more, one more. Titus, 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 second chapter. In this day, oftentimes people talk about grace, but unfortunately they abuse and pervert and twist and defile the wonderful, wonderful doctrine of grace, that precious and loving and lovely doctrine of God's grace. Apart from the grace of God, none of us could stand here. Certainly none of us could be saved, but grace is certainly not what some people have made it out to be. Grace does not give you an excuse to live like you're not saved. Grace doesn't give you an excuse just to live any way you want and then think you're going to heaven someday when it's over. That's not grace. That's not Bible. Come on, somebody say amen. Titus tells us something about an alert person. Someone that's not spiritually drunk, but spiritually sober and alert and aware of the will of God that's going to finish the race. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation. All God's grace that saves us has come to us. And whoever wants to respond, 
to this good news by the grace of God, you can respond. Whoever wants to give your life to Jesus and know you're going to heaven and have your sins forgiven, you can respond to this grace. It's for all men, whosoever will. But when that grace of God begins to work and you understand what God's grace will do in you, verse 12, the grace of God, it teaches us. Did you know grace is a teaching ministry? We love to sing about grace. If we really understand grace, we understand grace has a teaching ministry. And it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. Grace doesn't say it's okay to indulge in everything, but it's a grace. That's not grace at all. Grace teaches us to say Say no to ungodliness and, unworld, and worldly passions and to live. And now grace says, say no to this, but this is how you live. Grace teaches us to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives where? Right here. Right here. And while we're living that, and while grace is, in teaching, is teaching us and guiding us, our hearts and our affections and our longings, and our attention. Verse 13, what else is grace helping us do? It's helping us to wait for the blessed hope. We're thinking about eternity. We're a people that look about it, think about eternity. We long for eternity. We sing about eternity. We live here. We serve God here. We fight the good fight here. We enjoy blessings here, but we know we don't belong here. Amen. We know this is just a time period that we're passing through. This is just a dispensation of time. It comes with blessings. It comes with battles. It comes with a heartache. It comes with celebration. We recognize this. James said it's like a vapor. It's very short compared to eternity. We realize that while we're here, the grace that saved us is teaching us how to live while we're here. But man, let there be no doubt, when grace gets in that heart, there's a longing for another world, there's a longing for another day, there's a longing, we're looking, we're looking for the blessed hope, we're looking for Jesus that's coming back, we're looking for His appearing and His glory, our great God and our Savior. This world is not our home, we're just passing through, and that grace gives me a yearning for something more, something beyond here, something better than, I want to go somewhere where babies aren't abused and aborted anymore. I want to go somewhere where people aren't abandoned and beat up on anymore. I want to go somewhere where the name of Jesus is never a curse word, but it's a song that's loved and honored. I want to go somewhere where people aren't ashamed to praise the Lord with all that is within them. I want to go somewhere where people love righteousness and love holiness and the peace that passes understanding is like the air that we breathe. Hallelujah. Anybody want to go there? Then you better live ready. You better live right. And daily walk with this God. I've had enough. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Oh, Jesus. Oh, he's a good God. He's a good God. He's a good God. That last point, salvation and judgment. Our salvation is secure. The unbeliever's judgment is certain. And God is not a man that he should lie. In your devotional time, you can read verses 9 through 11. He didn't appoint us 
to tribulation, he appoints us to salvation. But for those that rejected Christ and didn't want Christ, well, they'll get what they chose. Hallelujah. Glory to God. As we close, here's our thought. Here's our thought. As we close, if things aren't right between you and God, don't leave here till you make them right. You can leave with an assurance. If you're not ready, if you're not completely sure, then as we begin to worship and sing, come. Someone will be here to pray with you. Pastor Todd or one of the altar workers, they'll be here to pray with you. So you'll know according to the word of God, your heart is right, your sins are forgiven. Amen? So number one, if things aren't right between you and God, get them right. You're watching at home, get them right. Get them right. Get them, stop lying to yourself and get them right. And secondly, if you need a touch from God, if you're here today and things are right, Spiritually, but you just need a blessing, you need a touch, healing, you need a prayer, someone to believe with you, then you come and we'll pray with you. But number three, this is what we want to do for the bulk of us. If you're like me, then you know that we all have friends and loved ones who are not ready. Yeah. Hopefully that got the quick exit, people. You might be healthy as a horse, and you might know that you know you're going to heaven, but I guarantee you, if you're living in the world I'm living in, you've got loved ones, family, friends, they're not ready. And you know they're not ready. Could you give them a couple of minutes of sincere prayer, asking God to work in their lives and bring them to that place that they're no longer spiritually asleep and drunk, but awake and alert? and serving Jesus with all their hearts. Oh, we want to do that. We want to do that. Let's pray for our loved ones that God would wake them up, sober them up, and turn them back. Can you give God a couple minutes? Can you give your loved ones a couple minutes? You're better off giving a couple minutes to pray here than weep over a casket. Too late then. Got to be done now. Stand with me, please. As we pray our final prayer and we begin to worship and open the altar. And as we begin to worship, if you're here and you're not 100% sure completely,